This is music in the key of Geneva. Music in the Key of Geneva is an ongoing project of the Geneva Historical Society. Museum curator John Marks has been researching all kinds of music and musicians around Geneva and presenting what he's found around town and online. Okay, so John, we have done two presentations about music in the Key of Geneva so far in 2016. One was at the Geneva Historical Society annual meeting, and one was at the, it was a public talk at the Historical Society. And as we talk about the history of music, you eventually turn the conversation toward the state of music in Geneva today. And it doesn't matter how many groups we talk about, how many venues we talk about, one name pops up each and every time. Pablo. Pablo. Hey, Pablo here. Hey guys, Pablo here. What's up guys? Pablo here. Ahoy! My name is Pablo. Namaste. Pablo from the Fallbrook Experiment here. So, I wouldn't Sorry. So I know when I first moved to Geneva and I was asking around about the cultural life of the community, everybody said, you need to meet Pablo Fallbrew. When did you meet Pablo? What, what, you, you seem, I think you said you have one really great memory of Pablo, first meeting Pablo. Yeah, I don't recall what year he moved back here. When I came, he and some other people that are big on the Geneva scene now were just graduating high school. But I know several years ago, I was walking down Linden Street and there was this man singing a cappella arias. It was, I have no idea what it was from, but he had this beautiful voice and being there on Linden Street, it's bouncing off all the buildings and he's just singing away and some friends posted it to Facebook and said, oh, this is Pablo singing on Linden Street, and I think that was the first time I was really aware of him. I do want to talk about what you're doing now, because you are an integral part of the scene, but you also are representative of how the various institutions in Geneva Hmm. have produced musicians, because you've got some backgrounds. So... You're, you're, a, you're a native Genevan, correct? Yep. I was raised, born in New Jersey, but raised here. <laughs> and you went to the public schools here. Yeah, I went to basically every school, uh, North Street, West Street, um, even Border City for a little while, middle school and high school. Um, and I was in concert band and chorus um, through, through middle school, and then um, high school was exclusively chorus. What instrument did you play when you were in the band? In concert band? Uh, it was clarinet. I played the clarinet. Why did you stop and, and go strictly with the chorus? Um, I think time was a was part of the issue. Um, and then I was just more interested in, in singing. That was my primary instrument. I grew up around singing mostly. So, I know an awful lot of musicians who are working today who didn't play in the band, didn't mm. play in the orchestra, didn't sing in the chorus in, in high school, in junior high school, that the muscles that can make somebody good at being an ensemble aren't necessarily the muscles that carry you into a world where you have to kind of create your own ensemble. Right. So for you, 
as somebody who did come up through conventional music programs, what did that do for you? Um, I think a big part of it was learning how to listen and blending, because that was what was the critical thing taught to us uh, by the choral directors. It's like listening to your part within the big picture, um, and then also not um, like not sticking out, so blending in with the other parts as well. So that is for me is a critical piece in performing, even in like a band, um, non non concert band, you know, like Shrimps or uh, a rock band. You know, being able to listen to the other players and blending and finding your your space in that. Uh, I think that was the biggest takeaway takeaway from that, and also um, just like vocal training, like learning how to use your use your voice and warming it up and not straining and um, being healthy about your your singing approach. But really, music before the chorus, before school, um, the school music scene, it was it was actually church was the first my first introduction. So I had, had to kind of like relearn a little bit because um, the uh, I grew up in first love church um, and that was um, that was mostly taught by ear. It was like a call and response, and there was no sheet music. Um, and uh, so, and my mom was in the choir. So, like, all from infant to, you know, throughout high school, um, uh, well, maybe not in high school, because eventually I kind of just started doing my own thing. But, um, you know, I was going to, we were going to church, you know, twice on Sunday, uh, on Wednesday as well. And then I'm joining my mom at choir rehearsal because we didn't, you know, have a babysitter. We just went, you know, and so we're, I was just always around this, uh, the music. And, you know, eventually I was just singing along at choir rehearsal and then singing in church. And it was a very musically driven um, environment. So that, that was uh, really like the initial um, exposure and performance experience I had. You can have a really rich musical life just within the church. Yeah. You can pursue a career completely outside of the arts, and depending upon the church that you attend, you can have multiple opportunities throughout the week to really engage in a very rich and a very demanding musical life. So you, you could have done that. You could have very well found a different career. What drives you on graduating from high school to go to Boston to study music, to study the arts? Um, it started, I would say, in, in middle school, actually. Um, I was really inspired by the hip-hop culture of the 90s, um, where a lot of uh, artists and labels, independent labels, were, you know, they were just making their own way, um, specifically like Sean Puffy Combs, as he was known then, or P. Diddy Combs at that time. Um, and I, I really was just kind of like enamored by that, uh, that whole culture and, um, that lifestyle or that idea of, of making something from nothing. Um, so that kind of like planted the seed. And so I just had that idea in the back of my mind, like, I want to start a record label. Um, so that's ultimately what drove me to Boston to study engineering, audio engineering production, um, because I was like, well, I'm going to start a label. I need to know a little bit more. And I started actually at FLCC studying the same thing, then um, transferred out to Boston. And then, um, yeah, it kind of evolved from there to be more than just a label concept. 
uh, to to the work that I'm doing now, more community focused efforts through music. Yeah. When John Marks and I recently gave a talk at the Geneva Historical Society on this project, Music in the Key of Geneva, and we talked about what's happening now, you're, you're kind of everywhere. Yeah. When we talk about music in Geneva today, you're never more than a stone's throw from Pablo. And it's not a self-aggrandizing thing. It's not Pablo's inserting himself into everything, but you really have served as sort of catalyst you, you use the word community as the focus rather than starting the record label. How does that evolve? Because you've, you've, you've done something here. You've done something here really special. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think it comes from a, a couple different realms or maybe a, maybe one or two. Um, would be, I think, the roots, my roots in church and that mindset of community and working together and doing something bigger than yourself. Um, and just the way I was raised is to, to serve others. Um, and then just the love of music too, you know, just trying to experience as much as I can. And cause I learn every time I do uh, a session or work with other musicians or go to a show, I'm just like watching the performers and, um, and like working with shrimps is always uh, a fun challenge because, you know, they think about composition differently, which forces me to think about my compositions differently. Um, so for me, it's, you know, I guess it was rooted in part from like my upbringing um, and then also just knowing that music is a very therapeutic thing for myself and um, being able to share that with other people is, is an important thing for me. And that's very much been the focus of the UG Collective is, mm. is trying to create a community and to create a sharing environment. On the other side of that equation... As somebody who is now working, you know, primarily as an artist in this community, a small community, you know, it's 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 hard enough to make a living as a musician in a big city. When you're going to make your living as a musician in a small town, you really have to hustle and and you have to have a lot of things going on. What is it the community can do to encourage a lively music scene? Because as we as we look back on this project at the way music was embraced by Geneva historically, much of it was driven by a lack of other options. Mm. You know, you didn't have the same entertainment options in uh, 1916 that you have in 2016. And so people were more likely to not only go out and hear music, they were also more likely to make music in their own homes. Yeah. If somebody wants to be assured there's going to be a vibrant music scene in their community, what can they do to support the efforts that you do? I think simply just going out to see performances, because um, most of, we're really fortunate as you know a small community that most of the music that happens in town is free. You know, you could go to Lake Drum, you can go to Kashan Creek, you can go to Microclimate, you can go to Finger Lake Skipson Lounge, you can go to Riley J's. You have. Uh, you can go to Ramada. There's so many different venues, and then not even counting what's on campus with Hobart and William Smith. Um, but uh, simply just going out to the show, whether you know the musician or not, and supporting um, supporting those musicians and supporting the businesses that are um, that are hosting those performances. Um, I think that's the the most important thing you can do as um, as a as a fan, as a community member. 
um, because like 99% of the time it's free. So what do you have to lose? Um, and uh, I mean, it's hard to sometimes it's hard to know what's going on too. So you have to you have to make a little bit of an effort to to uh, to be in tune to what's happening. But it's a small enough town you could definitely figure out the information pretty pretty easily. We touched on some of the projects that you're working on, but I would like to be really explicit because last night I attended Vox Lounge, hmm. and in February you'll be doing a relaunch of the 360 project. Let's run them down. What are the things that make up your musical projects that are ongoing in Geneva? Um, really, actually, just those two. I've been uh, kinda, just those two. Let's 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 remember that you're you're pulling that. together loads of musicians. These are massive undertakings yeah. and ambitious. Um, yeah, I've I've been kind of well narrowing the focus, I guess. So Vox Lounge, uh, which I like to call not your average open mic, um, that is every month uh, from September to May. And um, I, it's an open mic uh, that I tried to have all the spots filled, so it's somewhat curated, but um, it's open to anyone who wants to play. This is Vox Lounge. Uh, the first hour is kind of a jam improvisation, and we have a bunch of different performers starting at 8 o'clock, so stick around, enjoy. My ideal situation is to have all of the spots filled prior to, prior to the show. Um, and I recruit performers who, you know, are looking to to gain performance experience and um, to have, you know, a community of musicians to perform to and, and get some feedback and, and just have a more productive, nothing against, you know, open mics have so many different variations. And, you know, I've gone to open mics where, you know, there's only a handful of people there and, you know, that's the um, not even weekend warriors, but, you know, just kind of tinkerers of music. And that has its space. That's completely fine. You know, nothing against that. Um, but for me, uh, Vox Lounge, my aspiration for Vox Lounge is to be something a bit more um, elevated, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, so that, you know, all of the musicians are kind of challenging or inspiring each other to, to push themselves to be better. You know, um, whether it's your first time performing or, you know, your hundredth time performing, um, you know, you're, you're going to be there and see some great, great musicians and and share the stage and, and um, be able to network. Uh, like last last night um, had someone had one spot open and uh, there was a walk walk up and he was awesome. You know, he just brought it. Um, and then that musician ended up connecting with another performer and you know now they're going to be working on a project together so that's the type of environment that i'm trying to um to create with vox lounge um and it takes takes some work definitely um you know i have to scout out and i also uh try to have i, I work towards having a mix of student performers and community performers um to kind of bridge the gap um at least being in from geneva there has been historically been this kind of Hobart and William Smith bubble and the the townies, if you will. Um, so having music be a, a bridge between those two communities and two um, environments is uh, is you know an aspiration of mine as well. So uh, by integrating having half the spots filled by students and half the spots filled by community members, you have 
the musicians connecting, but then you also have the fans of those musicians connecting. You know, I see um, music as that, you know, that tool, that community building tool between these two, um, these two environments. So, um, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's about music, you know, it's about having an opportunity to, to listen to great music. Like, I love it because I get to sit back and just hear some really great performers. You know, I'm, I'm always, even though I'm like on the front lines of uh, what musicians are performing, every time I'm just blown away and surprised and just impressed by what happens on that stage. Um, and it's just, you know, it's a highlight, the highlight of my month for sure. Um, yeah, so that's Vox Lounge. Um, and then uh, 360, which is um, what I'm really working towards being my flagship project for UG Collective. Um, so my mission is to use that as a vehicle to raise awareness and support for arts initiatives and nonprofits, um, spending time on different boards and committees and being engaged in the community. I've, I found that the biggest challenge that a lot of these initiatives and nonprofits have is raising awareness um, and, and financial support, right? So, um, so uh, music being the universal language and, and something everyone uh, can relate to, um, I just I wanted to create a project that uh, that can link those the need and the um, the desire to to be involved with music. So um, the 360 project is again about collaborating with different musicians, um, giving everyday people the opportunity to be a part of the songwriting process um, by uh, giving them opportunity to to make lyric suggestions. Right, so. Um, put out a call for potential lyrics then we go into the studio and write a song based on what people uh, recommended and, and suggested and then also do a live broadcast of the studio session so that um, you can watch it watch the session happen uh, from the comfort of anywhere uh, the worst thing about waking up. oh no let's go way after that after the like um, the end of the verse I think I found my temper. Yeah, a little bit more, like a measure or two before. I never want to leave. Yeah, right there. That's good. That's fine. All right, you ready? Yeah. And then, you know, using that opportunity, that captive audience to to promote the the cause, right? So each session, um, well, it's, this project's evolving. So next next year's going to be a little bit different. But um, the, the beta run, if you will, for this past year um each session was dedicated towards a specific cause and um so you can donate live online and then royalties a portion of the royalties and streaming and downloading of the song um gets donated towards the cause as well um and of course during during the broadcast with the captive audience uh taking the time to say hey this is what the smith's about this is where you can find more information or the geneva theater guild or you know any um nonprofit or arts initiative that's happening um so it's a fun project i'm, re I'm really excited about uh the the next evolution of it um last year or i guess we're still in it uh 2016 was um all local musicians uh and next year i'm going to continue to have a local musician element but um, growing into um, inviting more regionally and nationally known musicians um, just to kind of have a, a broader outreach and, and 
diversify the uh, the um, the guest list, if you will. Going back quickly to Geneva music history, you did you study at St. Peter's Music oh, Academy yeah. as can't, a kid? Can't discount St. Peter's at all. Um, so St. Peter's actually came about um, late middle school, early high school time frame. So um, that uh, the St. Peter's Community Arts Academy, uh, I was in the choir there um, through through high school um, and. Yeah, that that was a great opportunity. Uh, just being able to study under Wendra Trowbridge, um, who's just a beautiful spirit uh, and energy to be around, but also just a great uh, vocal instructor. Um, and you know, working in that choir was just was just an amazing opportunity. Um, yeah, St. Peter's was a big part of my my performance development, my vocal development as well. Um, so it was very is. It was kind of a culture shock, actually, because coming from a Pentecostal church experience, which is, you know, all gospel music, no sheep music, you know, everyone's just playing by ear and um, learning by ear and then going into St. Peter's. Granted, I had from uh, from school, uh, from high school and middle school and elementary, learned how to read sheet, sheet music with concert band and whatnot but the church experience was completely different you know we were singing hymns and uh so that was a it was kind of a cool little culture shock situation but it was fun like we yeah we sang some great pieces um and also had the opportunity to um actually the first time I ever left the country was with St. Peter's um my the choir uh when I was in choir it was uh, the first year that they did the um the European tour, um, or UK tour. Uh, so that was in 99. Um, so we, we went and, and toured England and sang in some of the great cathedrals, um, in England, which was an amazing experience. Um, not only to travel and be in those countries, but to sing, be in those spaces. And, um, I always have an affinity for choral music. Um, and so to to be able to sing in those spaces was great, uh, yeah. But they've taken you abroad more recently yeah. on their trips. They bring you along, and I think that kind of points to something else that we haven't touched on specifically. You're very supportive of your fellow musicians. You're very supportive of the scene. But you're also really clearly committed to mentoring. Hmm. You you are very clearly committed to working not just with students at, say, Hobart and William Smith, but students in general you work with with young people at the uh, boys and girls club mm-hmm. you know this is something that i think is is very important to you as well what what does what does that do for you mentoring people and teaching music um yeah i i guess it still comes out of that you know that service to others um environment that i grew up in um and then you know kids you know well growing up in music and having those experiences was very valuable to me. So being able to provide that to, uh, to, to younger folks is, um, younger folks. I feel like an old man saying that. <laughs> guess I'm getting up there. It, it comes uh, to us all. <laughs> yeah. So being able to provide that experience, uh, to, to high school and middle school kids is, you know, is a great opportunity. Um, and then also the, uh, the recording studio at the Geneva community center, you know, that wasn't anything that was available, um, when I was growing up. So, uh, 
to to be able to utilize that and give them that experience because you know you can get caught up in the pop culture of it just like i did it you know when i was in middle school i was like enchanted by like oh, i want to be puffy like you know um, and there was a lot of different reasons like sure like financial stability but also the uh just building something from nothing um but to really understand what that what that means you know to to understand the production and and you know it's not you just show up and and get into the booth and and do your thing like you got to prepare for it you need to learn how to to sing or speak and or rap into the microphone so that you get a quality performance and, and are creating quality music so you know to be able to give that give them that experience early on um i think is, is a viable valuable thing and then i also try to you know share my perspective of being a musician and traveling and promoting music and performing and, and all of that because you can be um the the industry kind of really makes it you know this dream but you know there's a lot of work that goes into it so my, my goal ultimately is to inspire them to to really think about who they are and what they're doing but also like the realities of the music industry and you know the amount of work that goes into it Learn more about Pablo's work at his website, ugcollective.org. Let's wrap up this episode with the opening track from the Fall Brew Experiment EP. One, three, one, two. There's no question. Believe it or not, is mine, oh mine. Something happened when she's near me. It's difficult to explain. Swept and swept away. Don't mind. 
mother Cause this woman I've got Believe it or not is mine Oh mine Something happened When she's near me Music in the Key of Geneva is supported by a grant from the New York Council for the Humanities. Any views, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent those of the National Endowment for the Humanities. I'm Kelly Walker. Thanks for listening.